Let's get out our Bibles this morning and go to uh, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity today. We believe that you're at work in our hearts and in our lives today. We thank you for what you're saying to us. We highly respect and value every word that we've heard from you and everything that you would uh, speak to our hearts today. For you take us up and not down. You lead us into light and victory and not into darkness and defeat. And thank you for your, your, your blessing now and favor upon each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today I want to continue with the same subject and thought that we ended with last uh, week, and that is that Jesus hates empty seats. Amen. Ready for more of that? All right. We, we, we discovered last week from, uh, from Luke chapter 14 that Jesus taught a parable, and he basically wants every seat full. All right. He's not interested in his resources going to naught and going to, to nothing, but, uh, but that every person uh, be able to receive of his goodness and of, of his grace. And so let's get back into this a little bit more today. Uh, you, you remember, we, uh, of course, Jesus emphasized that he wanted a full house, and we saw that many people will make excuses. And people make all kinds of lame excuses uh, when the Lord gives them an invitation. But the Lord responded to their lame excuses by sending His servants out to get someone else. <laughs> Fine, you're busy, you got too much to do, whatever. Let's go out and get somebody else. And He would send His servants out to go, and He 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 used a pretty strong word. He told them to go out and compel others to come. What He is doing, what God is involved with, is so very important that it's not just a casual, uh, weakling invitation is sufficient sometimes for what uh, we're talking about. He said, I want you to go out and compel them to come. This is a strong urging. This is uh, something that, it's a a move into somebody's life that recognizes the value and importance of what we're uh, endeavoring to get them involved with. Okay, not just a passive approach. He said to urge them to come. I want you to notice, again, instead of us reading the whole thing, verse 14, now chapter 14, verse 21, uh, here of this passage, it says, So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. I want you to notice that phrase. He said, and bring in here. Everybody say bring. How many know bring is different than invite? The invitation didn't work. So he said, I want you to go out there and bring them. This was so important to the Lord that his house be full. He so much despised empty seats. He said, you've got to go out there. And if you have to physically pick them up and bring them in here, (laughs) then I want you to do that because we are going to have a full house. We are going to get this. We're going to get. Uh, we're going to get these seats filled up. It was so important that the Lord said, "I want you to go out and bring other people with you to fill His house." Did you notice in this passage that the Lord doesn't bring people to church? I mean, it might be uh, hopeful thinking, <laughs> wishful thinking, uh, and sometimes we spend a lot of time praying, Lord. Send people, send people to the church. <laughs> Lord, send people here. Uh, bring them in, Lord. Bring people into the church. But that's not what, according to his teaching here, that he does. The Lord doesn't bring people to church. Who does? 
we do. If I'm praying for the Lord, Lord, bring people. Lord, send people. Lord, get them in here. How many know I'm about to have a frustrated prayer life? Unless I recognize that the response to my prayer is I'm going to pray and then he's going to stir me to go bring someone. I'm not going to pray and stand back and watch the Lord do it. Now, there are some things we definitely turn over to him and we rely upon him doing it, but this is not one of them. What what this does is frustrates a person's prayer life. Anytime you pray and don't get it makes it that much more difficult the next time you pray. If I ask for something and don't get it, so I ask for something else and don't get it, and I ask for something else and don't get it. How many know by the time, after a little while, I have very little confidence in my prayer life. I don't, I don't go boldly before the throne. I'm coming to get something, Lord. It's, I'm now throwing up prayers. I'm now just taking a chance. So I I think it's a good idea that we don't pray about things that we don't get. Well, how do I know that I'm not going to get it until I pray for it and find out? How many know that's the wrong way to pray? Anytime we pray to receive something from the Lord, we should know what we're going to get before we pray. If I don't know I'm going to get it before I get it and before I pray for it, I'm not going to get it. And some of that has to do with this. I need to know that certain types of prayers are the response to them is going to be different. If I'm praying, Lord, bring people, He's just not going to do that by Himself. He's going to send me. He's going to compel me to compel them, to to, to move on my heart that I might move on somebody else's heart. Come on now. You're praying for a move of God in somebody's life. You know what they need? is a move of you in their life. <laughs> a move of God through you into, in, into their lives to make a change. I think it's real important that we avoid passive Christianity. All right? Too many, uh, too many passive Christians, they sit back and watch things happen. They sit back as the world goes by and they're not aggressive. They're not taking steps... Um, to make things happen. Um, I have one of my grandmothers who passed away years ago. She used to have a car. And isn't that amazing? <laughs> uh, and, uh, but basically where they lived in California, they had for a long time there no real need to go very far. All right. So there wasn't a whole lot of getting on the freeway and going few cities over. Basically, you could do everything within a very short uh, sphere there, and you could go to the grocery store, and you can do all these things. Therefore, back to her car, (laughs) therefore her car never got used very much. And really, there was no need to get up over 35 miles an hour. And so, for years, the car didn't go faster than you know, just your average city speed limit. And eventually, that caused problems in the car. Hmm? Cars are supposed to go faster than that. It's the will of God (laughs) (laughs) that we go faster (laughs) than that. But what happens is if that engine is not used to a greater degree, 
If those RPMs don't get up, that car doesn't get moving down the road, it actually harms the engine. Isn't that interesting? Same thing's true with our physical bodies. How many know if your physical body doesn't get used, I mean for more than the couch, (laughs) more than eating and laying, (laughs) your physical body is going to have problems. Our bodies were designed to move. Our muscles were designed to, uh, to react and to function correctly when they're exercised, when you sweat, when you put out physical exertion, all right? A lack of that is going to give a person, again, physical problems. They're not going to be able to experience the, um, the best and the full benefits out of their physical body. Remember, the Scripture said, even tells us for bodily exercise, profits a little, profits profits for a while, and, uh, and and so that's true physically. I know the average person, uh, I just discovered, um, the average walking speed is 3.2. Did you know that 3.2 miles per hour? Uh, and so what's good for your body? Sometimes you have to go faster than 3.2, <laughs> and if you'll push your body to go faster than 3.2, then it will it will help your body to function correctly and of all the things that I've read over the years and heard I found there are there is so much differing so many differing opinions when it comes to nutrition what you should eat what you shouldn't eat but here's one thing that seems to be consistent across the board everybody says you got to exercise right any health person any physical training type of person they'll say you've got to move your body in order for it to function correctly isn't that interesting that god created us that way that if we sit on our butts we're going to suffer for it but if we get moving and push ourselves we actually benefit and god made cars that way too (laughs) cars need to go fast now what about a person's spiritual life because I'm not really here to, to teach fitness and, and automotive. and What about your spiritual life? We are not designed to go slow. We are not created to just kind of creep along spiritually. There needs to be some propulsion going here. There needs to be some active movement. We've got to be involved in the kingdom of God and not just kind of sitting back watching it go by. Our spiritual life will suffer if we are not pushing it forward, if we are not moving forward, and at times, fast. At times, we need to work up a spiritual sweat if such a thing exists. You know what I mean by that, though? At times, we've got to do more than the average Joe. And listen, here's the thing. A lot of times, if I were to try to you know, use the same, same illustration, I think spiritually a lot of people are going one. How fast are you going one? And they've been going one for years. They think one is normal. I mean, as long as they've been a Christian, they've been cruising at one. And they think, everything's fine. But what's happening Rick, carbon's being built up in their tank. And they're about to have some problems. They've been going too slow too long. What do you mean by that? I mean they've not been doing enough. They've not been engaged enough. 
active enough in God's plan, in his kingdom, to build this thing. And they're getting all bogged down. They think this is normal. Cruising along, and they look on the same speed as they are. Same speed as they are. Everyone I know goes this speed. That's why everybody's got problems still. And I know, I know there's, I know sometimes people think, well, you know, I've got things to deal with in my life. I've got issues. I've got problems. I got to work through before I can really, you know, plug in like you're talking about and engage in the kingdom like you're talking about. How many understand biblically though? We don't fix ourselves by focusing on ourselves. Jesus said, you'll save your life if you'll lose it. You remember Job in the Old Testament, he had, a, had some tough stuff going on, but it was when he prayed for his, his friends that his situation turned around. It's when we get involved in someone else's life, in serving and making a difference somewhere else, that our life actually begins to turn around. There's an old saying that I think is, has some biblical basis in it, and it's called, it, the saying goes like this, Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And you can see that principle is probably true in a lot of different areas with the car, (laughs) with the body. Uh, Now, with our spiritual lives, also, that principle is there. You might recall in Matthew 25, Jesus taught a parable, which we won't take time to go through. We call it the parable of the talents. Actually, that's how talents uh, refers to money, how he gave certain amounts of money to three different people and they were supposed to uh, increase that and bring it back to him and at, at the end of that uh, in actually Matthew chapter 25 and 29 Jesus said this for to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away it'll be taken away And so we need to ask ourselves the question when it comes to this issue. Again, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Jesus hates empty seats. God wants a full house. We need to recognize what God has put in our hands for him to use. There is something within you, something in your control, something in your life that God wants to use to make a difference in his kingdom. Okay, and it doesn't, it doesn't work when we're creeping along. It's talking about we've got to be fully engaged and fully moving forward to be able to use this. You might recall Moses in the Old Testament, God called him to deliver Israel from slavery of Egypt. And Moses had a lot of excuses and had a lot of uh, things, reasons why he couldn't do it. God sent him to talk to Pharaoh. And uh, it's interesting that the... the thing that the Lord said to him this is Exodus 4 you don't need to turn there now but verse 2 it says so the Lord said to him what is in your hand he said a rod as Moses had all kinds of reasons why he couldn't do why he shouldn't do uh, what God wanted him to do the Lord just said what have you got in your hand and how many know that very rod was used supernaturally by the Lord in that place and the same figurative statement might also be true in our lives today where we ask ourselves the question what is in our hand maybe the Lord would ask you that what's in your hand what have you got what have you got that God can use what is in your power what is in your ability what's in the realm of your life that God can use to fill an empty seat that God can use to fill his house
and uh, understand there is something in your life that can be used that way. I like to think of it sometimes just in a real practical way, but sometimes uh, there are people, and, and there are many people here this way, some people are very good at engaging others in conversation. They don't have any qualms about it. How many here are kind of like that way? Lift up your hand if you're that way. Yeah, I mean, you can just very quickly talk to people, engage them in conversation. Do you know that's a tool in your hand? I mean, you saw we had hands going up all over the place, but you know it wasn't even a majority. How many are just totally not that way? Yeah, how many are somewhere in the middle? (laughs) Yeah, and some people think, I just don't understand it. Why don't you just go and talk to them? It's because literally they go up and nothing comes to mind. (laughs) Am I right with some of you? (laughs) It's just like a blank. (laughs) I just can't think of one thing to say to you. (laughs) See, some can't understand that, but others are that way. But listen, if you're one that is quickly able to do that, that's something that's in your hand. God can use that in you to be able to uh, minister or engage another person and influence their life. Uh, Sometimes it's a skill. Sometimes people have a skill that enables them to relate to other people with a similar skill. In reality, that's every one of us. They're just different. All right. Some people like to, uh, some people like to bowl. Anybody like to bowl? Any bowlers in the house? All right. Do you know any other, how many of you bowlers know another bowler? Well, there's something about bowling that connects you to other bowlers. <laughs> As, uh, you know, like uh, like sc- scrappers. How many scrappers, like scrapbooking people do we have in the house? How many like to do scrapbooking? All right. Did you raise your hand, Pastor Mickey? <laughs> <laughs> Or, or, or whatever it is, people have interests or they have skill in certain areas, and because of that, that naturally connects you to other people in that same arena. What is that? Let's not just see all these things as a natural interest or ability, but recognize the spiritual potential of God using whatever you have, whatever you can do to reach out and minister to someone else who has those same interests. Sometimes we think, I don't know who, I don't know how. Baloney. We just need to think a little bit deeper and recognize there is something in our hand that God can use. Uh, with others, it's a, you know, it's a position of influence. Many of you have influential positions in life, whether it's in your job, in your family, uh, in in different places, different things that you're involved with, but people look to you. When you speak, people listen to you. What is that? Well, that's just natural. That's just the way I am. No, this is something that God has placed in your life so you can speak into the life of another. With some people, it's money. It's wealth. Do you know that people with money have a, have a louder voice than those without if they'll recognize that? It's like Job of the Old Testament. Again, we mentioned him earlier. But Job was rich and righteous. The devil hated him. Hated his guts. Yeah, because rich and righteous is a good combination. Right? Because why? You have a voice now. People listen. It's just 
That's just the way our world works. People who have a lot of money also have a voice. If you have a lot of money, start time to start talking. Because people will listen to you just, just because of that. What am I saying? That's something that's in your hand. Sometimes people with, with finance think the only thing I have, the only thing I have uh, influence in is, well, I can give. Well, that's part of it. But you have a voice. You have influence. And uh, sometimes it's a talent or a spiritual gift, things that God has placed in your life. But all of it is for a purpose. He wants to use you because he hates empty seats. He wants his house full. And we've got to have some participation. Let's go over to, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. See, we are called together. We're called to work together to build the church. In the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, there are to be no bench riders. Nobody riding the pine. Okay? And so I want you to think for a moment. We're, we're not just crawling here. We're not just bench warmers. We're not couch sitters. Uh, think today. And ask yourself a question. Ask yourself this question. What am I doing to build the church? What am I doing to build the church? Because the reality is, every one of us should be a part of building the church. I could ask yourself, I could ask you this question. You live here, if you live here in the Treasure Valley, which church are you building? Which Christian, godly, you know, local church are you building? Every Christian in the valley ought to be involved in building a church. All right, obviously... For the majority of us, that's here. Unless you're just visiting, you're welcome to grab a hammer. <laughs> Seriously. Because <laughs> we need more workers to help build the church. But God has called every one of us together to build His church. Which church are you building? Some say, well, I'm not really, I'm just kind of attending. Now, that's the wrong question. How many know you can go... 3.2 your whole life or one spiritually and attend attend a shemend. I mean that doesn't take any uh, degree of um, aggressiveness or strength to do that well I attend here we need to r remove that language from our, our thinking not where do I attend church which church do I build which church are you building because as we all plug in to that corporate goal and mindset, the body of Christ at large is expanded all around the world. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is built. Okay. And, uh, well, you know, so much I could say, but how many know sometimes just coming to church and smiling at somebody is helping? Coming early and smiling. I've heard it from so many people that come and say, oh, I went to this church, I went to this church, I went to this church, and nobody talked to me. Nobody was friendly. And uh, you don't, you're not allowed to complain here. But, um, <laughs> but let's make sure that's not the case with somebody else. What are we doing? We engage. We reach out. We touch. Have a willingness to fill any holes. Be quick to use your skills, your abilities, your gifts and talents from God. And you're, you're involved in participating in building His church. 
Now let's look at Matthew 16 here. Uh, Peter had a revelation. Verse 18, Jesus said, And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will, look at that phrase, build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What is Jesus doing today? He is building his church. He said, I will build my church. Now here's the misnomer that I think can be in people's minds. We say, I'm walking with Jesus. Oh, I'm just walking with the Lord every single day of my life, just loving Him and serving Him. And we, I wake up in the morning, it's Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, and Jesus when the sun goes down, we're so tight and we're so close. But when you ask Him, what are you doing to build the church, there's silence. I have a feeling that people are really walking with their idea of Jesus instead of really being close to Him. Because if he is interested, if his goal is to build the church and yet we are supposedly walking with him and following him and yet not involved in what he's involved with, how can we really be walking with him? How can we really say we have great fellowship? I think he's talking about a different subject than we are. Is everybody with me on that? Can you see see where we're going here? See, Jesus is building his church. And if we're involved with him, we're also building his church. How many know the head doesn't work without the body? Hmm. He, is the bo- he is the head. We are the body of Christ. And the way he does things is through us. He doesn't do things apart from us. Let's look over at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I know some of this, you know, when we talk about these issues, sometimes people want to shut down mentally on this issue because it doesn't deal with my problems. It doesn't deal with my issues and my concerns. But when you understand how everything that God does is really interconnected, you'll recognize that in serving the king, the, the king by being involved in the kingdom, it actually changes our own individual lives. Again, put the pedal to the metal, and you'll find you'll, your car will run better. Hmm. It's called get your rear end on the treadmill, and you will find that your body works better. Hmm. You might be able to avoid a few pills if... <laughs> If you will move your body once in a while. Now don't take this wrong, but you might be able to avoid some heavy duty counseling if you'll get involved spiritually. You might be able to avoid some feelings of dissatisfaction. You might be able to avoid some... Um, sensations of I'm just not really sure you know that uncertainty in life I'm not really sure where I fit if you'll start exercising spiritually and start moving forward in your spiritual life you've been coasting forever as long as you can remember you just kind of do the bare minimum it's not that you're not saved not that you're not you don't have a heart for God but it's time to really get moving How? Start building the church. That's what we're called to do 
together to work with the Lord Jesus and build the church. Say, oh, me. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, I, therefore, the, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I just want to bring out this one point. He's talking about the unity of the Spirit. And you see over and over, one, 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 one. <laughs> the Lord's desire is for us to be unified, for us to work together. This is the way we are to walk in Him. Spiritually in Christ, we are unified. He said, I want you to walk this way. Now, we know sometimes that that means that one person shouldn't be upset at somebody else. I shouldn't hold unforgiveness toward you or you toward me. We can't have that type of division in the body of Christ where people are going and are at odds with one another. I think we, uh, not that it's not valuable to say it, but we recognize that that's a truth. But here's another way that, that the body of Christ becomes disunified is that, you know, some people are just like an anchor. We're trying to go somewhere and you got others rowing. <sighs> And they're, they're just working hard, and they're giving everything they've got, and others are just dragging. Because they've been going one mile an hour for their entire Christian life, and they don't want to know what it's like to get up there and actually row. They're not actually contributing to building the body of Christ, and they're a drag on everybody else. And there is a degree of disunity, a lack of oneness, when, when you've got a you've got the body of Christ and some are going for it and some are not. Some are working to build and some are just thinking about me, me, me. What can you give me? Hmm. <laughs> There's a constant work of the enemy to divide. And again, I think we recognize sometimes the division in some real evil ways some of the real sinful stuff we recognize oh that's wrong that's division or gossip or those all these kinds of things are are divisive but i sometimes don't think we recognize that division takes place when we're just going different directions you know the lord never called apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers to do the ministry but he called them to prepare or equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and if we don't understand that, we don't have that mindset, what happens is we got a few people in the body of Christ who are just going gung-ho. And they're giving it all they got. And everyone else is just dragging behind. Just not doing much. And what's happening is there's a lack of unity. We know from the Old Testament, remember they built the Tower of Babel in Genesis? And God made the statement concerning them that because they are of one mind, there's nothing that will be withheld from them. They weren't even doing the will of God. They were going contrary to God's plan and purpose. And yet he said because they're unified, because they're working together, they have the same mind, they can accomplish anything. Wow, what does that tell us? What if we actually caught the true heart and vision of God for our lives and what we should be involved with? With Him on our side, we were all unified. Talk about building buildings to reach more people in this valley. Man, nothing 
that's nothing. We can do anything if we do it together. But too many times we get so busy, we got so much going on, and we don't have time to work. Pastor, didn't you just teach a grace series? Did you, you didn't just say work, did you? <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> Amen. God's grace empowers us to work. God's grace enables us to do things. But still us working together and building his church to make sure there's no empty seats in God's house is something that God will be involved with. I think we could do it without God if we do it together. I know that makes some of you nervous. We're not going to. (laughs) But I'm saying that's the principle of unity is you can accomplish anything. We could go contrary to his will and succeed if we work together. And how much more? Working with the Spirit, the plan of God, have his grace and his power and his ability and his support, the angelic host behind us. Come on now. We can accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. We can make an eternal difference in this life and in this time. So in, in, in beginning to finish here, you know, one thing that we've got to avoid is becoming idle. It's that spiritual idleness that really cripples us from accomplishing anything of value. Um, You've heard the saying before probably that an idle mind is the devil's workshop. And it's when people become idle that they often become open to wrong thoughts and wrong attitudes. I heard one time a person said, there are two kinds of people in the church. They're givers and gripers. (laughs) <laughs> givers never gripe and the gripers never give. I remember uh, one of the men of God that I uh, have received much from over the years, he used to say, because he had a strong message of faith and people would always want to debate him. They'd always want to set up these debates and discuss his doctrine. And he would always, res- he, he would just say, God hasn't called me to debate you. He's called me to preach the gospel. And he would he would be criticized and never respond to his to his uh, to the criticism. He'd just keep going, just keep going. They'd die young. He'd keep going. <laughs> I mean, he they'd get they'd be fussing and fighting with everybody. He'd keep going and just keep preaching the gospel. And I think there's some there's something to learn there. Many times people get all bogged down in the pettiness of this or that, and they're fussing over little things here and there, and griping and and angry about this and that, while the rest of the body of Christ is just doing the work. You can fuss about this, but I'm thinking, there's a guy right over there, and if he dies today, he's going to hell. You deal with this pettiness. I'm going to go stand in his way. I'm going to go get between him and hell, so he's got me to go through. Hmm. And again, sometimes we're so caught up with all these little things in life, and I think that's one of the enemy's plans. To get, to get us so busy, us so preoccupied with all kinds of nonsense that really doesn't make a, a bit of difference in the big picture, and we're forgetting what's really important. Jesus said, I will build my church. If I'm walking with Him, that's what I'm thinking about. But what about this problem? Well, you know, if I got time after I get these people saved, we'll talk. But in the meantime, I'm going to get busy over here. Like Jesus told his parents when he was 12. Didn't you know I'd be busy? I'd be about my father's business. 
Let's be about our Father's business. Someone said, but you're a pastor. I mean, I understand that. I work for XYZ Company, and I'm, I'm busy with my kids over here. And you know that that's God's plan, that at XYZ Company and with your kids, you be building His church. People don't realize that they're undercover, that God has strategically placed them in areas of society where they can be used. God has put something in your hand. He's given you a platform, a position, a place of influence, and maybe it's a small influence in a few people's lives. Maybe it's a big influence. But you look like everybody else. (laughs) And here we've got an agenda. Let's recognize the spiritual component of everything that we have going on in life and and see the, the opportunities for us to be involved with Jesus in building His church. Yay, it's time to clean that carburetor out. Come on now. Somebody say, whoa. <laughs> Come on now. We don't do sounds here? There we go. Come on now. <laughs> I remember Jesus said in another place in the book of John, he he, he said that we should not labor for food that perishes. There is to be a different focus in our lives. There is to be a greater emphasis on things that are eternal. And if our focus is not there, it doesn't mean we're not saved and we haven't truly accepted the Lord, but you're just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you're just kind of idling. You're just kind of uh, being passive through life, and God wants us to step it up. It'll really make a difference in our lives personally. And, of course, the real reason is we make a difference in someone else's life. A couple scriptures I'll read to you in closing. Proverbs 14, verse 23. It says, In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. It's that idleness, again, that allows wrong thoughts and attitudes and thinking into our lives. And what happens? We go down as a result. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13, they were dealing with some of the younger widows. And uh, it says here, And beside, they learn to be idle. What do they do? They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. I looked up that word idle, and and it says in the Greek, to be inactive. To be inactive. Uh, An example is to be unemployed. I mean, unemployment, isn't that considered usually a negative? (laughs) Uh, If someone is unemployed, you know, with the slow job market and economy and all this kind of stuff. There are a lot of people who are unemployed. Well, what about spiritually unemployed? Wouldn't that be worse? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, there are too many people in the body of Christ who are spiritually unemployed. They are, they're idle. They're inactive. And that's not a, that's not a good thing. That, that word, you know, other words that are used in that definition are lazy or useless. None of us want to think of ourselves as lazy or useless. Uh, it's, it's translated barren, idle, as in this case, and slow. Again, we've got too many people going too slow. Jesus said, I want to build my church, and everyone's creeping along. Just slow. You ever been in traffic? <laughs> let, me say, let me say it this way. Have you ever been on the road and there wasn't traffic 
and someone is going so slow. <laughs> now, if you were that person, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> but you're really annoying to the rest of us. <laughs> But here's the deal. Again, it's not about natural stuff. Spiritually, let's not be going slow. Let's not be unemployed. What can you do? What's in your hand? What has God placed in your, in, your, in your life that you can use to build His church? How can you be engaged, be employed, be active, moving forward fast? And it's sometimes really fast. Sometimes get on the freeway, man. Sometimes get outside on the... <laughs> Uh, on the sidewalk and run. Sometimes there's, there, there's, there's opportunities, there's seasons where we give more, where we go faster, we do more. And it's necessary that the body, body of Christ be unified in that regard. Come on now. Everybody with me today? Are you a weight? Are you dragging behind as an anchor? Are you helping things move forward? Let's do this thing together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for, for working in our hearts and our lives today. We believe that, 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 that where you've taken us is for a purpose, is for a reason, and that there needs to be active engagement for us to accomplish those things that are important to you. We recognize that you want a full house, that you want every person in this world to be a part of what you're doing. And so, Lord, we take our place. We recognize our part. And we step forward and we move forward in faith. Allowing you to work through us and work in us. And do, what, do through us what we can never do on our own. Thank you that we are working together as the body of Christ with your spirit to accomplish great things. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray also today for those who've come to church that, are never, that have never been.